Welcome to the Kara's Curious Digital Show and Podcast, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sandlin, and today we're talking about raising the white flag. It is actually a universal symbol of surrender and a topic that author and Newington native, if you're here in Connecticut, Judy Mandel tackles in her new memoir, White Flag. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks I'm, so much. I mean, the book really dives into your niece's battle with addiction, the efforts to help her. And I think it's so poignant because um, right now the holidays are going on and we say on yeah. social media it's such a joyous time. But for those who have a family member who maybe struggles with addiction, it's also a very difficult time. You don't know what to do about this. Right, right. That's very true. It's it's difficult on both sides, yeah. you know, from the person with substance use disorder and the families and wanting to be connected and wanting to have some boundaries and not knowing how to help if they think they can help or they want help. And that's the idea behind, you know, the, actually the title, you know, White Flag. Yeah, let's talk about that. So the, the book is called uh, White Flag, and it is a memoir. It deals with um, the real-life struggles that you had with your niece. Mm -hmm. And tell us what White Flag really means. Well, as you said, it's a, a symbol of surrender. And um, really for people with substance use disorder, they need to raise their own white flag in surrender to the fact that they need help. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what it's mostly about. It's, it also refers to um, finding a bed for my niece when she was homeless, that there was a white flag event when the, it got very cold in Kentucky, which it doesn't always do. And they raised their white flag at the shelter so that she could get a bed. And then it's my white flag of uh, you know, what I could and couldn't do. You know, I say don't look for a happy ending with this particular memoir. Um, my niece did pass away from mm. substance use um, disorder. Um, but I think truth is very helpful also, and you'll find truth in it, and hope well, also. It, it, it you know, you get into it a lot, and you get into some of the science of mm -hmm. even just, you know, could we just inherit these genetic tendencies, which mm -hmm. we know to a certain extent that we can, but you talk mm -hmm. about trauma and how that can leave right. an impact on even right. a very young person. I want to get into that, but first I want to ask the practical question. You're having holiday dinner soon, and those who might struggle with drugs or alcohol, people are going to be concerned, like, what do I do to protect so-and-so? Mm -hmm. What do you do? Are you supposed to change the way you host? Do you have to limit alcohol? How do you set boundaries? Yeah, that's a very difficult question. And there's not one answer. There, there can't be one answer. Every situation is different. Every person is different. It depends on so many elements. But look at the boundaries that you need in your family to feel safe and to feel like you can be inclusive as much as you can with the person. Because, you know, as I say in the book, you have to look at them. They're still your loved one. They're not their addiction. They're still that same person. And you want to show them, you know, that love also, while still protecting yourself and your, your other family members. So it's, it's not easy. You know, if you feel you can have them to your house for a limited amount of time and give them a time limit, um, do that. Have them for the family meal if you feel you can. If you can't, go meet them for coffee. And at least you're connected and they know that you care about them. Mm. So it may be that you're going to set the boundary that they don't come, or you can actually sit, lay down a time limit? I think you can. I think you can. It all depends on, on the person, of course. But you can say, come for a meal. We want you to have a meal with us. And then um, if, you're, if you're, and be honest, if you're still using, if you're drinking, if you're you know, using drugs, whatever you're doing, we're going to ask you to leave. Okay. 
But we want you here, and we want to be with you. Yeah, I mean, it is... That's the important part. It is a struggle. In researching this, um, which first I want to back up for our listeners, you have such an interesting story, too. Uh, You wrote another memoir called Mm -hmm. Replacement Child, which isn't just a title. That's a term. It's actually a child that was born after the tragic death of Mm -hmm. losing another child, and and, and the parents are trying to replace that loss. So you came to find out you were a a replacement child. Yeah, after I started writing the story about my family and a plane that crashed into their home, killed one sister, badly injured the other sister, who uh, is actually Cheryl, the the person I'm talking about in in the book White Flag, is the daughter of um, my sister Linda, who was badly injured in that same plane crash. So you can see there's a thread through, you know, replacement child through to white flag that is the generational trauma that I talk about. That doesn't go away with people. Yeah. It doesn't go away. And, and, you know, at the same time, you did a lot of research, and we talk a lot mm-hmm. about healing on this podcast. There are, I mean, trauma is something that you read a lot about now, that we're right. learning that we can heal from PTSD mm-hmm. and we can heal from, and that even things you might not have thought were trauma Mm-hmm. can be trauma. In your case, it yeah, was yeah. a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. But some people might have had other kinds of trauma, like they were neglected or they weren't abused, and they think, okay, I wasn't traumatized. But either way, there's different kinds of trauma. And did you find that trauma can be healed and, and that there's good resources for people? And like you say, there's different different kinds of trauma, and different people will react to different traumas. And it can be a very overly sensitive person. might be the one who it's a trauma just not to be talked to. At dinner. Okay, right. You know, they can be very sensitive. So if they're, you know, sometimes people with substance use disorder are those very sensitive people. And that's actually the link to creativity also. Mm-hmm. You know, often we say, you know, some people that have substance use disorder or are, have mental health issues are also very creative. I mean, we've For seen sure. that time and time again. Even with the most famous right. people out but there. It, I, the fact is, I believe, that, and what I've been looking at um, in other books, is that they're just very, very sensitive. They're very sensitive to everything. In my family, there was a trauma of silence, which I think many people have. You don't talk about things. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're still there. They don't go away. Mm-hmm. You know, that in itself is a trauma. But no one talked about it, right? Right, right. right. So, and, and, and I think, um, do you find that, and doing this research also, that you're not alone, I guess, is what White Flag would show you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of families right. out there dealing with substance abuse and addiction, right. even if they're not talking about it. Absolutely. Every time I talk to a group, you know, I have people that come up after and, and talk to me, and, and they say, you know, my brother, my, you know, my wife, my husband, me. You know, they talk about that. Um, yeah, it touches everyone. It touches everyone. In this story, um, there does seem like hope in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You're you're texting all the time with your niece. You're yes. up there. You're giving her morning messages. It's like you were trying to carry the weight of her. It, it, that so many relatives do that, and we can right. identify. Right. Like I'm going to save you. Right. Did you right. learn that that just is doesn't I, really work? And I, you it's, know, it's I, hard for you too. Yeah, I think you're right. Is that you, if you if you do these things to help someone who is reaching out, and you you understand that you may not save them. You may not. Okay. You may so not be able to. Just you want to. Not you may to get not a be able to get them in recovery. They may not stop using drugs, and just do what you think you want to remember that you did, the right thing at that time, um, not in expectation. Mm-hmm. You can't have the expectation, but w- what you can do is save their life at the moment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's 
harm reduction right now is being talked about more and more. And just the fact of getting someone even to a, a clean needle exchange and showing them these are people who care. They're not going to judge you. They're going to give you what you need at this time and meet you where you are on your, on your journey. And sometimes they've, they've seen that sometimes just knowing that people care and aren't judging them uh, makes a big difference. So it may not be that we all have hope, right? And hope mm -hmm. is a great thing to have, yeah. but it also can be, as you just said, an unrealistic expectation. Like, I've got to sane them. I'm going to get them back on their feet. They're going to have mm -hmm. a great job and a great life and a this. And, yeah. and that may or may not happen, but what you're saying is to stay more in the moment. What's the next good thing you could do? And maybe they won't do it. The next good thing is to keep them alive until they raise their own white flag and want the help and ask and know that you will be there to help them and find the help for them. Mm -hmm. I think that's the important piece. Mm -hmm. In researching this, what was the most surprising thing that you found? So many things. Mm -hmm. Brain chemistry is, is a huge part of, of addiction mm -hmm. in that people who even want, and my niece said this all the time, you know, that's behind me, I'm not going to use drugs anymore. And she meant it. It's not that she didn't mean it. But the changes that happened in, in her brain made it so that she had no control over that behavior anymore. It, it changed the brain chemistry so much that that, that is a huge issue. That from the drugs, like the, from the, the drugs, and the earlier they start in their life, you know, she started as a teenager. The earlier they start, the harder it is to to get back. The to brain get chemistry, back to, yeah, and the normal brain nowadays, chemistry. I mean, with uh, marijuana being legalized, with um, unfortunately so many teens mm. vaping because they don't have to, no one sees, they can't right, smell right. it. I mean. There's all this stuff, that, and there's a culture of, oh, it's not that bad. It's yeah. not anything. And, yeah. I, and I, I, I don't know, in your research, did you find that parents are dealing with this, right, with young kids experimenting with things mm -hmm. that, that, that yeah. okay, it, the difference between yeah. experimenting versus addiction yeah. or how nervous people need to be when someone starts using anything. And the experimentation will go on. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. Make, making it safe is the important part. I mean, they now have... Yeah, a fentanyl strip so that at least if they, you know, you can test and make sure there's nothing in there that it shouldn't be in there, even if they buy something on the street. If a kid does that once, you okay. don't want that one experiment to be the last thing they do. So, okay. so you would recommend that's the other in piece white flag, of it. what you're saying is that I, I never even knew that existed. Yeah. Yeah. Where, do, where does one get a fentanyl strip? I am strip? not sure. It's illegal in many places still. Okay. But, um, so I'm, I'm okay. not sure about that. But now. for parents or who are struggling or yeah. people who are struggling, maybe because it is their parent or it's in your case, it mm -hmm. was your niece. Mm -hmm. um, what can you do that's healthy for you? For the person who's caring? For them. Yeah, I mean, because so much of this is you can't uh, lose your own life. Did you feel like you were losing yeah. yourself in this well, a trying little to bit, save her? A little bit. Um, and I, I would say do your research in the area that you are, your location. See what's available for the person. Get them what they need at the moment. What if they And keep go? them alive. You can't change that. <laughs> and you have to realize that you can't change that. You can only, you can only do what they will accept. Mm -hmm. There's no other way. And to accept that, that's that white flag of, you know, I can do this, but I can't do that. I can't do this for them. There's certain things you can't do. So I, I don't want to take away from the book because I think there's, no. um, it, you know, it is um, 
it is a serious book, but like you said, there's also hope and there's love and there's yeah. truth. Um, Judy Bloom writes, uh, we rarely know the deeper ramifications of tragedy through people's lives. Judy Mandel's book, White Flag, shows us the true story of how the same tragedy I drew for in the unlikely event spiraled through her family, giving a mm. glimpse of the way trauma can be felt for generations. Mm. And this is a new area of study in mm. science of epigenetics that like how much of our parents' issues or even farther back, ancestral issues Absolutely. are imprinted on our DNA. Mm -hmm. What did you find as you researched? Well, the most interesting part that I started to look at was um, the research that was done with survivors and generations of survivors of the Holocaust mm -hmm. and how that really visited the generations ongoing. Okay. Um, and In what way? Like, and they, and they, say, that, they say that um, it's not a gene it's that, that carries through. You know, there's not an addiction gene or, you know, an alcoholism gene. It's really the way hormones work on the genes. And it's, I'm not a scientist, right, so, right. but I do understand that if there is a way for um, the hormones to react differently from generation to generation, that that makes an impact. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and it's, some of the research is done in the animal world also that has proven this. What did you find when you researched a Holocaust uh, survivors and, and their descendants? Mm -hmm. like what, what type of, you said that was where a lot of the research was. Right, what right, what right, did right. it show us? Some of the behaviors are very different. Um, overprotectiveness, as you would, you, you would imagine, would be something. Um, fearfulness. That, that carries through in, in behaviors. So anxiety, um, overprotecting sure. their kids. Yeah, anxiety, especially, mm. especially. And even if they weren't personally ever in a Holocaust camp or anything like that, you're saying right. it was just somehow maybe feeding off of watching the, mm -hmm. the emotions of their parents or yeah. uh, you know, so much was transmitted in some yeah. way yeah. that it got carried down. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've all kind of been through trauma in the last couple of years yeah. that we <laughs> that we can look at and say, well, I'm going to remember this. Yes. Right. Now, but there's also the people who thrive um, after trauma, and mm -hmm. they get stronger, and they get more right. resilient, and they actually become um, something more or better than they were before because of what they went through. That's true. And yeah, it, it, did absolutely. you learn anything about the difference of why that happens to some and other people just don't? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be a million-dollar question, but I don't know if there's any, anything that says in the white flag or research I'm, about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Was that sort um, of your hope for your niece, that she'd be one of those people? People react differently. It's the sensitivity that is this. It's different in different people. And overly sensitive, not, I, want, I don't want to say overly sensitive because they're just sensitive to what's around them. It might impact them more. Right. than someone who is not as sensitive. And, and literally there's research of the HSCs, highly sensitive children, right, highly, right, or right. HSP, highly sensitive people. It's not a right, disorder, right, it's a no. genetic trait. And they right. said that some people mm -hmm. um, are just much more empathic, they're much more sensitive to their yep. environments. Nothing yep. to do with being autistic or anything like that, just no. sensitive beings. It occurs in animals, it occurs in humans. Is that what you mean? Like yeah. those types of people yeah, who are just absolutely. highly sensitive beings. Yeah, that's exactly it. So if you're someone that you might not get bothered by much or environments don't bother you, other people you might be really sensitive to food, mm. to noise, to, mm -hmm. um, and, and right. you know those people in your family that are just right. irritated a lot by things. Right, right. And those are the people that either they might be a writer or a painter or uh, they might not find that, that kind of um, creativity. So it might be substances. Yeah. Yeah, so something to watch out for. Mm -hmm. And if you just want someone who, you know, I guess part of what you felt healing was not being alone, not feeling like you're not alone. And that's right. sort of what right. this book is about, right. is that this is much more common than we talk about, and you don't have to be alone. If you don't. You... And there are things to do, and there are resources, and I think that's an important piece of it. 
Well, I also want to let you know if you happen to be listening um, uh, on the podcast or watching our live streaming channel, WSB Plus, you are actually going to be doing a book signing. People can meet you. Yes, that's right. Um, in West Hartford tomorrow, which, mm -hmm. as of this taping, is going to be um, Tuesday, the 29th, right? 29th. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's going to be at the Noah Webster Library at 6.30 p.m., right in West yeah. Hartford um, on South Main Street. Uh, is the book available everywhere? Yes, it's everywhere. Um, I will, I'll be selling some books at the West Hartford Library. Yeah. Um, it's available in bookstores, on Amazon, wherever you buy your books. Yeah. And you are a best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author, so you've yes, got, you can pick up the other one as well. Replacement uh, Child, yeah, was a, a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Very proud of that. Yes. I, well, you should be. You should be. And for those who are yeah. in Connecticut, you're a yeah. local gal. Yep. Very local. 15 minutes from you. Yeah. <laughs> right I, down I, the street. And you write a little bit about the special sunsets right the and sunrises. I do, yes. The light. The light in Connecticut. Yeah, that it's special here. So. Yeah. Um, anyway, I want to let everyone know that they can pass this along and, you know, maybe read it if it's helpful. If you happen to have missed um, Judy's event um, because you're listening to this a little bit later, the great thing is it lives on, um, feel free to uh, look for White Flag wherever books are sold. And and it's got really great information in it. Thank it's you. A, it's a page turner, but you also learn, so that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, Judy, thank thanks you. for being here. Thank you. And if you want more information on the cutting edge of wellness, you can also follow me on social media at Kara Sundlin. I do like to share this content there. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.